0: hi welcome to the modern waiter podcast i'm marlon joseph the modern waiter where we discuss all things restaurant business learn something laugh at something (laughs) and today we have a very special guest on the line product development guru brandon tendler welcome to the podcast
2: thank you marlon and danny what's up brandon not much not much how are you guys doing
0: doing very well as usual i'm joined by my good friend danny DeVillo. What's up, what's
2: up, what's up, people.
0: And uh before we get into the uh podcast, first the intro.
1: I'm tired of working dead beat jobs for lame pay. I'm tired of getting fired and hired the same day. If you know the rules of the game, then you'll stay. And if you don't, then you'll be a pawn while they play. I'm tired of working dead beat jobs for lame pay. I'm tired of getting fired and
0: hired same and I just want to get you guys a little note. We are very proud to be a part of the brand new one-star podcast network, the one-stop shop for all restaurant podcasts featuring the Sideward Podcast, Copper and Heat, In Your Mouth, The Macaroni Zone, and Confessions of a Server. Give them a listen and tell me what you think. Yeah. Now getting right into the podcast. Yeah, we're, we're very excited about that. We're going to grow together. And uh, friends uh, Brooke and Andrea at uh, Sidework Podcast put everything together. So, uh, we're going to be bringing you some fresh content from uh, different uh, areas in the restaurant business, whether it be the kitchen or front of the house. They're developing a front of the house versus back of the house, so it's going to be really, uh, really cool content. And uh, Brandon, when we when I first approached you about, I had in mind. Was to pick your brain about ghost kitchens, and we'll get into that a little bit later. And uh, when when we spoke on the phone, I uh, I deciphered that you have an eye for detail. You've never worked in the uh, in the restaurant business.
2: Yeah, so so that's true. So I'm I'm just somebody who has this you know kind of product development background, and I kind of apply it to everything that I see and touch and feel and experience. Right. So, um, one thing I, I have a, a major passion for food okay, and, um, you know, I'm, I'm definitely a huge fan of, you know, exploring and basically finding new restaurants and I basically pick everything apart. That's just kind of, <laughs> it's kind of what I do. You know, I, 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 literally, I go, you know, just, just because of my passion for restaurants, I've kind of taken it into my own hands to to learn how to cook myself. So I'm constantly, you know, anywhere I go, it's it's typically it's typically never good enough for me, you know. Okay. (laughs) now I kind of I've spent years trying to perfect my skill of cooking. And um if I go somewhere else, if I go out somewhere and for example, it's a steakhouse, but then you get the steak and it's not really that good, it kind of it's a pet peeve of mine because I'm like, hey, these guys opened up a, a steak restaurant. Mm-hmm. They should be like perfecting their craft. They should be the best at what they do, you know. So um, I-, I guess that's one of my biggest pet peeves.
0: Yeah. If you're a steak restaurant, the steak better be good. <laughs> exactly.
2: Yeah. Absolutely. Not the chicken sandwich, the steak. <laughs> <laughs> so when you, when you, but, but I... yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no. T- typically, if you put something on the menu, you better know how to make it well.
0: That's that's a, a, a that's a huge statement, <laughs> a huge <laughs> statement and an understatement at the same time. Exactly. You would, you,
1: you would think that yes, you should, but I think what happens over time is that um, maybe you can agree with me. Like maybe with that what that chef came up with is a brilliant product, and maybe either over time he's not there or the, the, you know, things, things change over time. I feel like with, with, um, with consistency as as such. And that's Mm -hmm. how dishes go downhill.
2: That's, that's definitely true, but right. So the proper procedures need to be in place to ensure like quality and consistency is executed. So that's, that's also something that's super important. And, um, you know, some people just don't kind of, uh, care about, or they drop the ball, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's let's springboard from that. I mean, we did a podcast. Uh, for, I think maybe it was over a year ago, uh, called uh, the Restaurant Dream, and it was basically warning of the pitfalls of opening uh, a restaurant because a lot of people think that they can they can do it, but there's so much involved in it that they, like you said, they drop the ball on maybe, uh, the execution or the consistency of it, what, uh, what caution flags would you, would you raise for people in, in your niche of product development?
2: Like in, in regards to, um, like what somebody could set up in order to ma- maintain quality and consistency.
0: Yeah. Um, to be successful, right out the gates. What, what, what's, what's like the number one, um, on the list of, of things. To I do? mean,
2: typically, I mean, you know, wh- when you're dealing with this kind of industry or anything related to any sort of business, you need to maintain, uh, great organization skills. Okay. You know, so, um, you have to be extremely organized, attention to detail, maintain precise, you know, measurements and if it's measurements in developing a product and tolerances in terms of the design, it kind of like lends itself um, the same to just restaurants and, you know, every aspect, you know, the pro, the, you know, restaurant is basically, you know, a product that you're developing. Right. True. And every aspect of that restaurant has to like have extreme attention to detail. So it's the brand, it's the experience, It's the food. I mean, I I guess that's those are the main, main three things behind a restaurant, right? So everything needs to be um, organized precisely. You know, recorded um, procedures have to be put into place and um, and organized, right? So
0: that's uh, I got to tell you, um, several of those are are generally missing from from the daily operations of some of the places that you come across, really.
2: Totally. I I see that. A hundred percent. Correct.
0: Now, where, where would you say that um, some owners miss the mark when it comes to first impressions? Well, I guess I'll backtrack and say when you walk into a restaurant, um, what is your, what catches your eye first? What do you notice first? Or what are you looking for? Even better,
2: I mean, typically, typically it's it's the menu, it's the menu selection. It's does this menu, you know, speak out to me in terms of like, you know, a nice mix of products, something that's easy to digest. You know, not too many choices, right? And then um, you know the vibe of the restaurant. Um, you know, what's the scene like? And um, typically, you know, if restaurant tour put you know their attention to detail into the design and experience of when you're walking into a restaurant Mm -hmm. you kind of hope that the food aligns with that with that um with that that vision vision exactly so that's something that's really important to me um you know there's a lot of like great designers out there and they could design the hell out of a a restaurant but then um when it comes to their food their food kind of falls short and you know a lot of people i guess they kind of try to like fit into that like trendy food like you know like, like tunnel you know where mm-hmm. where they're trying to like stick to that like trendy food but a lot of times they just don't execute really well you know or they overdo it you know sometimes you know simple is better like my my biggest my biggest uh motto in life is keep it simple smart or keep keep it simple stupid you know mm-hmm. and sometimes you don't have to overdo things in order to execute it well and sometimes less is more
1: absolutely it's if if, if better in my my opinion i think it's also better to have one you know in a restaurant let's say, let's say you have five things that you just make amazing if you can have a restaurant that that's built off of that then you can even if it's something simple, if you make it amazing, like you said, they're going to come back. And I think that's what it really comes down to. Exactly.
2: exactly.
0: It, seem, it seems that you you definitely pay attention to the, the whole, like a, a holistic um, view of the restaurant, not just the menu. You may have good food, but not a good execution in the atmosphere or not good execution in delivering that good food to you, whether it's the experience or, or the you know the way that you interact with the staff and things like that is is that correct?
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, every 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 touch point of a restaurant is important to leave impact impactful impression on the the, the customer, right? So um, I definitely look at every touch point, and um, yeah, you know, I also kind of take into consideration you know the cost, like when you know. I think a majority of, of customers they they typically like to stay the stick to the things and the restaurants and the cuisine that they like or the dishes that they like and it's kind of risky for them to change their behavior to try a different dish or a restaurant. So when you do try to, a, a different dish or a restaurant, and you know some places can be pretty pricey. You know, it's not like you know if you're if you're going something outside of fast casual or like the average ticket price is like eight to maybe $15 now. Um, you know, anything above that is risky to a lot of a lot of, you uh, know, customers, right? So basically, you know, it's right? mm-hmm. so uh, you know, it, it's, it, it's important to really, you know, hit it out of the park. You know, and if you're not if you're not up to par with the food, you know, it's, it's a disappointing experience.
0: True. You mentioned earlier about executing on not just executing on trends it seems like sometimes restaurant owners will just go towards the trend in the in the decor or the food but miss the mark on the whole part of it what are some of the mm-hmm. restaurant trends that you're noticing right now well now <laughs> it's funny
2: because uh i haven't been out too much lately with with covid so i i really can't tell you um about the in-restaurant trends now. But <laughs> I can tell you, you know, obviously, ghost kitchens, and that's kind of why we we kind of connected, mm-hmm. is just extremely hot right now. And um, basically, the trends that I've seen in ghost kitchens is a massive amount of virtual brands. You know, there's some really hot trends. Um, wings are really hot right now. Hamburgers are really hot. Um pizza so i mean all these concepts are being done and duplicated and duplicated and copied and copied again so i just see a you know, major saturation of just different brands and copycat brands on the market and i see no end in sight <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay so you touched upon a passion of mine which is wings and i i lived in buffalo for a while and it's mm-hmm. one of those things where you know you could find good wings at the at the you know the oddest places, the little corner spots. And mm-hmm. I I pride myself on making good wings, but when it comes to wings, you got to keep it simple. And all these different, are, are you in line with some of these wing flavors? First of all, are you a wing fan? Let's let's establish that. Yeah,
2: no, listen, I'm I'm a I'm a huge I'm a huge wings fan. And I'd wing up in Buffalo like uh, what's it, Duffs? Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I, I've had some amazing wings up in, in Buffalo. So
0: okay, so what's uh, what's your what's your go-to wing flavor? No, I just
2: like to keep it simple, stupid. Um, you know, medium buffalo sauce.
0: Boom! There you go. I would even take it one further and I go for either the the wing sauce, the buffalo sauce, or I like uh, a dry rub Cajun. And mm, I'm, that's nice. I'm actually mm-hmm. uh, doing a, a little wing off with my family in a couple of weeks. So, <laughs> but the thing is, it's virtual, right? So, cause we can't really get together. So there's no, there's not gonna be any judging going on, but we're gonna really just make our wings and comment on obviously the looks and things like that. Be as honest as we can with how our wings turned out. But I've decided on doing um, doing the Cajun, um, just because I, I don't know, I've, I've, I've really gotten into the the dry rub thing. Danny, are you uh, are you uh, um, an alternate wing flavor guy?
1: I am not. I'm very simple, kind of like kind of like our boy. Um, I like a like a medium buffalo. I mean, I can even do the hot, but uh, a solid medium buffalo. It, it lets you know where their wings play. Like if they season them before, or if they do them fried, or if they bake them. This way, you can kind of with that simple kind of sauce, it kind of really brings out the flavor and everything else as well.
0: I tell you what, totally. I like. I like that idea of keeping it simple. There was, I was in San Diego at this, I think it was called like a Top Gun bar, and they smoked their wings prior to okay. prior to frying them, and it turned out the texture changed. And I'm sure, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think, and they were raving about the wings, and it was a miss for me.
1: Mm. Interesting. The people that you were with or the, or the restaurant itself?
0: The restaurant itself. the, the bartender he okay. he was he he told us, "Oh man, you gotta get the wings. You gotta get the wings." I was like, "Okay, I love wings," and you yeah, definitely t- tasted the, the smoke flavor. But you know, smoking the wings first and then frying them, it was just too much.
1: Mm, I hear what you mean.
0: Interesting. no brand that is interesting. <laughs> I never uh-huh. even heard of that before, though. <laughs> me neither. Now, uh Cinderella's fairy godmother turned a pumpkin into a stagecoach. If you had a magic wand with which to build a restaurant, would you build it around the kitchen first, the front of the house, or maybe the bar? Uh,
2: um I'd probably build it around the uh, probably around front of the house. I mean, I know how important alcohol sales are you know for restaurants are. So, um, I, I mean, I would, I would assume that front of the house would kind of take into account the bar scene, mm-hmm. you know? True. But I think, yeah, it's it's all about the experience, and experience is one of the most important things in, in the restaurant industry, which um, now everybody going virtual kind of, um, they're missing and lacking, and I think that many people being at home are craving the experience. They're, they're really, yeah. I think, people can't wait to get back out And they're craving that experience. And I think that that experience is going to be key as we come out of COVID and start to, um, you know, see new restaurant concepts pop up all over the place. Question, Brandon, where are you you located right now? So I'm actually in Miami. Oh, okay. So you're you're, in our area? Yes, I'm close. Oh, oh, awesome.
0: Yeah, we're we're keeping the distance. (laughs) i'm from new
2: york originally okay the city or upstate or uh long island gotcha growing up and uh you know over the years i've i've gotten to experience some some great restaurants in new york city and absolutely yeah there's something for everyone there and you find some of the best of the best versions of every dish in new york city
1: i agree with you 150 i am i was i am also a native new york i was born in the bronx um, oh, nice. and, I, and I grew up uh, pretty much between there and, and um, in Washington, D.C., the, the, like right outside of Washington, D.C. So they have a great culinary scene as well out there. So, you know, they have a good flavor mixture of people as well, just like the city does. So
2: you definitely have a, a good palate from what I understand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think so. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely picky. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: would you say the experience is the missing key like because honestly uh the price of uh of chicken is the price of chicken the price of a sea bass you can only you can only charge so much for a sea bass so then the atmosphere and the experience seems to be the x factor of of what a menu you know can can command yeah absolutely
2: listen if you're serving a a certain type of food or if there's any food on your menu, you better have the best version of that dish Mm -hmm. that you could possibly execute. Right. And then part of that is also the experience, you know, because I hate going out to restaurants that they have a great experience, but then you have the food and it's like, ah, the food's not that great. And it's like, you know, like really like enjoying the food, like food is what people love. Like the food network is one of the most, you know, popular channels on TV, these people, and, and even like most people that don't even cook, watch the food network all the time because they just love food. It's just a passion for people. It it like touches their hearts. Right. So, um, I think everybody just wants to make sure that they have great food, you know, the better the food, you know, obviously I think it, it really like kind of ties in with the experience.
0: I agree with that. Let's talk about ghost kitchens. Sure. Tell us a little about your thoughts on the trend as it sits now, because uh, when we spoke, yeah, tell, tell us about what your ideas were, because uh, if, for those of you out there that don't know, I got connected with Brandon through a friend. We had just published a podcast on Ghost Kitchens, and sure enough, he mentioned that you guest uh, wrote on a blog, you did a little article on Ghost Kitchens. I read it, and I learned even more. And that's why I reached out to you mm-hmm. because I love learning. I and through learning Absolutely. I'm able to educate other people. Uh, so I will put a link to that article in my show notes for this uh for this episode as well. And uh through your eye for detail and everything, I didn't wanna just make it about ghost kitchens, but uh here we are. <laughs> Absolutely.
2: No, I, I think I think it's great. Um you know, it's funny these ghost kitchens is something that I just have like an absolute like major passion for. Um, about seven years ago, I was, um, you know, opening up, I was going to open up my own uh, restaurant concepts and, and some things got in the way. But um, basically behind the concept was um, I wanted to create a ghost kitchen. That's before like anybody actually thought of. Um, even making ghost kitchens or it really was not that popular at all. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe there was a concept in Canada or something, but um, I didn't know about that. But anyway, so, you know, I had this vision for the future of ghost kitchens and it's something that always came back to me, kept marinating, you know, in my brain and I kept thinking about it. And then with the advent of like Uber Eats and DoorDash and Caviar and all these other like delivery platforms and last mile delivery platforms. Um you know, all all these basically ideas that I were th- were thinking about seven years ago hmm. were so starting to up. come to life. You know? So it's something that I've been, you know, paying attention to even more now. And um I just have a major passion for it. So I kind of wrote this guest blog um article about ghost kitchens and it's titled I Ain't Afraid of no ghost. <laughs> <which is> about- <laughs> It was fun and um i think that um the ghost kitchen industry um that i envisioned um like changed drastically once COVID it and i don't think that it would have changed this drastically um, without but i COVID. think that yeah. yeah without covid and i think covid has like super accelerated um the maturing of the industry and i feel like the main thing that i'm taking away from you know ghost kitchens and virtual kitchens right now is kind of like the amazonification of the industry kind of like what's happening on amazon it's like a jungle right you have multiple multiple brands everybody's piling onto the platform um there's so much competition and um you know i feel like brands are becoming less relevant um every day because there's so many new concepts coming on the market and millennials are more accepting to, um, new concepts, they're embracing of new concepts. So the current, you know, brands that, you know, are brick and mortar like Chipotle, they're going to start losing business fairly quickly to new emerging brands, but, um, to a certain point, because, there there might be a lot of brands, but there are so many people trying to do too many things at the same time. Mm-hmm. So what I feel is happening is that, you know, they're gonna be throwing these brands out there and these new concepts. And there's some concepts that are, are starting that. They're mm-hmm. they're throwing twenty, you know, different brands into into one restaurant kitchen. And people know in in the restaurant business, like you have to keep things like focused. Right? Yeah. Yeah, you can't do too many things in a kitchen because you're going to start to lose um, quality and consistency of the product. And that's even the main reason why most people don't like to franchise their concepts is because they don't know if they could actually um, guide everyone to to stay on track to maintain that quality and consistency that's expected of a brand, right? So um, I see a lot of that happening and I feel like that's going to cause issues in the industry. So that's where, um, you know, um, reviews are going to really come in handy. Like, you know, on Amazon, everybody goes by reviews. I feel like that's really going to shift to the, you know, ghost kitchen, virtual restaurant industry too. They're going to go off more reviews. Any, you know, you know, concepts with negative reviews are going to fall down. Right. Yeah. And then, um, I feel like, you know, because anybody could get into and deliver products, it's going to start going to like more like smaller, like micro brands and um, different, you know, other kind of not accessories, but other products that could be added onto your order. So like, say you want to order from like, like, say Chipotle or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Now, part of that, you could probably, you know, in the same order, add on like coffee from a you know, another ghost kitchen that's next by or juice or dessert or pastries that you could add on and, um, or perhaps you want to order a burrito, but your wife wants to order like pizza. Right. Um, I feel like, uh, there's going to be many of these small little, like, uh, multi unit, multi-concept, um, facilities, that you could purchase many different types of food on just one order.
0: I think that's a, so, that's important because um, I uh, I do use um, the delivery apps, but then m- together with my family, I have to decide what we all are going to be in the mood for uh, to go for it mm-hmm. at that one point. And it would be really innovative to be able to have a small network of different products, like you said, if you're interested in, your wife's interested in pizza that you want to have, I mean, just throwing it out there, Chinese, and there's a, a kitchen near, nearby, that would be advantageous.
2: Exactly. Yeah, it's it, it, it all has to do with logistics. And um, maybe as AI and machine learning starts to kind of come into uh, these delivery platforms, it'll make it a little bit easier to kind of strategically make that happen Mm -hmm. technology is obviously going to be a major um, part of this Um, consumer data is going to be extremely part uh important part of this model like some of the most you know biggest companies getting such huge like uh, funding rounds it's all about consumer data right and how do you market to these people um so some of the things that i i definitely envision is um you know just machine learning and ai based on people's you know daily schedules and like for example they'll know who you are they'll know that you eat every day at seven o'clock or um you know on thursday nights you might get home from work late and you order at eight like you know mm-hmm. they'll start to learn your schedule and then they'll know how to and when to like market towards you you know and um that combined combined it with um you know, maybe drone delivery, right? So, um, you know, how do you get the food to these customers faster and more efficiently at a cheaper cost, right? So I think that drone delivery is going to be, like, absolutely massive for, like, ghost kitchen, ghost kitchens and virtual brands, right? Because then um, you could cut down the travel time of, of a delivery from, like, you know, 75%. So instead of it being 45 minutes, you could cut it down to maybe, 15 minutes because there's no traffic. Um, it takes out all of the inefficiencies of what, you know, current Uber eats and DoorDash, you know, the human aspect and, the, you know, driving aspect, you know. Absolutely. So I have a question real quick uh, <clears throat> before
1: we get too far into everything else. So your concept, you're talking about about your ghost kitchen seven years ago. How would that play, you think, now if you had came out with it?
2: No, I think I think it could still play well, but it's all about, you know, how do you stand out in the, in the in the jungle of these virtual restaurants? And Absolutely. so one thing that I see that people um, they do, I mean, they, they advertise online, but you really have to bring it back into traditional marketing methods. Like what exactly. what would people used to do if, if they have like a takeout component of their restaurant? They would go around in their neighborhood door to door and start absolutely. to hand and hand out flyers mm-hmm. you throw i mean you throw the menus under the doors right yeah. so that's something that i haven't really seen any of the you know ghost kitchen concepts really do which i think is really an important step in promoting their product it kind of like makes their concept more real and brings their concept into you know reality um, that somebody could actually pick up a physical menu and be like well wow. with the past with the future exactly yeah I think
0: that makes perfect sense. That's a that's an interesting point. I've i never really thought about that. For me, it's always whenever I order things, I I really gravitate to being able to see what the pictures are, what the menu is mm-hmm. effectively. If if it's like just a list item on a menu, I'm less likely to order it or from there because I have no experience with this place. Mm-hmm. And let's say exactly. I I do even make the leap to order from uh, a new place, they don't really make the effort to to really impress me once I I made the order. Uh, meaning, it would be interesting to get the order and then maybe like like you said, uh, a menu, a flyer, um, a note. Uh, maybe the packaging's a little bit different. Now I, th- I see that, mm-hmm. you know, existing places, they just still have the same packaging or it depends on if I want to order fries, I won't get from certain places because they just put it in a styrofoam box and it gets sweaty and soggy yeah, and I don't want to get it. So, you know, if I found a place that wowed me with the the quality that the food appears and the presentation in which it does, I would definitely um, buy again.
2: No, you, you're absolutely right. Packaging is 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 all part of the experience. You know, the physical menu is all about the experience. It's it's what can you do in a virtual world to create all these touch points of experience. Um, you know, customer service is obviously extremely important. I think that the delivery platforms um, need to start opening up. Um, more personalized experiences for each restaurant on their app. So, um, you know, within within each app, give um, each restaurant a little bit more of an opportunity to brand their page a little bit better than what they do now. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of, um, that would be a good start.
0: Now, you mentioned earlier, we talked about, um, you know, AI and metrics and things like that. Now, mm-hmm. when you partner with, let's say, Uber Eats, Del- Delivery Dudes, what have you, DoorDash, they have the leg up on, on a lot of these metrics. They know w- what each individual customer um, orders across the board, how much they spend. Uh, maybe they don't know yet what time they come home, but they know what time they they do eat. And then you also see some of them starting their own uh, ghost kitchen uh, concepts or is it that they're just doing a um a kitchen concept that is it like more of a rental type of thing or is it a conflict or an opportunity that they're getting into their own kitchen spaces?
2: No, I think it's it's an amazing opportunity. So if you think of like Netflix, you know, Netflix in the beginning they, they started with the other people's content, mm-hmm. and then eventually they started creating their own content. So that's kind of like what the the industry should be going into. It, it, these these delivery platforms should be creating their own content in terms of their own virtual brands or exclusive, um, you know, contract uh, you know contracts with other brands or maybe um, you know if it's not exclusive with certain brands, maybe they could come up with. Um, some exclusive items that you could only buy on that platform as, as opposed to another platform. Like um, for example, um, McDonald's, you know, like a special flavor of fries from McDonald's only on the DoorDash platform that people could order. So it creates buzz and it creates traffic through DoorDash. And, um, you know, those are the kinds of things that will have to happen in the future. Mm-hmm. and I, I definitely see happening um in in the near term
0: that's super interesting how did you get into a, a brand development and product um, development it's, just, it's it's funny
2: um <laughs> it's just something i've always had it's something i've always had a, a major passion for uh, my first internship was with a company called lifetime brands i was actually there I was their first intern and it was my first internship and it's a, it's a major consumer brands company with, um, they own a Farberware name. They have licenses for KitchenAid. Um, they work with uh, Martha Stewart and the food network to create their own lines of kitchen tools and gadgets. And, um, they make sinkware, tabletop, cutlery, okay. um, barbecue. So basically, uh, I worked there for, for a few years and it's just something I've always had a passion about. So, um, you know, every place that I worked and I, I've been, I kind of took on the role. I, I took, I took on many different roles, you know, packaging, design, branding, product development. Um, so I kind of understand all aspects of the, of the process.
0: So you turned your passion into your career. Exactly. Oh, well, I'll let you go on these last few questions, and because you did mention that you love to cook, what is your <laughs> what is your go to dish that your family loves? Oh man, um, it
2: would probably have to be guess, like chicken parmesan. Mm.
0: <laughs> <laughs> are you a, are you a breakfast person or a dinner person?
2: I'm definitely more of a dinner person. No, I skip breakfast a lot.
0: So. <laughs> <laughs> that that's interesting because I I don't eat breakfast, but I love breakfast. Oh really? Okay. Yeah, I, it's yeah, well, just about I... the t- about the time that I eat. I don't eat in the morning, and usually that first you know morning meal is called breakfast, and I just don't have it. I eat around my first meals around noon or one o'clock.
2: Yeah, same here, basically.
0: All right, thank you so much. I appreciate your time, Brandon Tendler. yeah, your time and it was insight. great being on with you guys absolutely
2: absolutely <laughs> we're gonna I'm definitely gonna reach out
0: to you again soon and uh because I wanna pick your brain about some uh some of the things you talked about, which was uh packaging and branding and things like that, but that's for totally you know a, a different uh different deal. And uh, once again, if you do enjoy our show, pass it on to a friend. That is the way that you can support us at this time. And uh, feel free to reach out to us uh, I'm on Instagram is at the modern Waiter podcast or reach out to me by email, the at gmail.com. I'm Marlon Joseph, the modern waiter.
1: I'm Danny DeVilla and subscribe, subscribe people.
0: We'll see you next week on the Modern Way to Podcast.
1: Later. Step I'm truly one of the best. A smoke chronic bionic. I smoke so fast. They call me Sonic. So pass the gin and tonic. Watch the chickens get freaky. Roll up. The bomb stinky. Hip light like I was pinky. Y'all still can't see me. Your vision still blind like Stevie. I'm without the crack. Instead, they call me Wheaties. I love the chocolate tie. Purple the berry vine. I got.